you know, you get a Monday night game and a big stage and thought we had a good week of preparation. I thought our guys, uh, you know, in practice, it was pretty clean, but ultimately you got to do it on, on game day. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. The NFL is a really, really successful league on a way higher level than the NBA and Major League Baseball and college sports, although college sports is a little different, so maybe that's not a fair comp at all. I think the NFL exists and operates and succeeds on a level past the other American professional sports leagues. I think it's it's twofold. I think the game of football is something that's appealing on a wider scale and on a larger level than basketball and hockey and baseball. So part of it is just it's football. The NFL is football and we love football. I also think the league is really good at pushing through the BS and just focusing on the bottom line. And while that seems uh, inhuman and it seems really businesslike and cold, well, at the end of the day, the more money the league makes, the more money the players make, which is better for the player, right? So it... The NFL is very good at that. Roger Goodell is very good at that as a commissioner. There's also a lot of things the NFL is really bad at. You know, we talked about the tush push the other day, and I tweeted about this too. It's like, of course the NFL wouldn't just ban the tush push. They would implement some weird point of emphasis through their officiating, and it would just make everything really confusing and awkward for a year, and it would make the tush push like really wasteful and dumb and then everyone would stop doing it. Well, there is a health and safety meeting tomorrow morning at the NFL meetings. Three specific plays will be discussed. The hip drop tackle, the split flow block, and the push play. Which is really funny to me. Because the NFL had an opportunity to ban this last offseason. They're like, no, it's fine. It's good. We're just going to change some rules and put in an area of emphasis to make it really brutal to watch and and understand next year and then also we still might ban it okay yep that's <laughs> that's the nfl that that sounds about right that's how they go about their business so they're gonna make way more money than the nba major league baseball getting a lot more fans a lot more eyeballs better sport but the nfl is dumb in a way that only the nfl is and it's just the hundredth and fiftieth example who we've talked about this year. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. That information, by the way, coming from Albert Breer. If you want to go find his tweets, there's more information on uh, what's going to be discussed at the NFL meetings tomorrow. I just saw that tweeted about 25 minutes ago. Made me laugh. I don't want to talk about the NFL meetings tonight, although, you know, who knows? Maybe it comes up. Uh, but at least I wasn't planning to talk about the NFL meetings tonight. I want to talk about the Packers. Uh, I want to talk about, well, I want to talk about quarterback play in the NFL. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about what happened in the NBA last night. We're not going to open the NBA lounge, but weird and wild and bizarre happenings in the NBA last night. So I want to discuss that as well. The Bill Michaels huddle coming up at six o'clock. So we'll have more Packers coverage loaded Bill Michaels huddle. So the next two hours, the Wisco sports show pretty wide open should have lots of time to take your calls and talk about whatever you want to talk about. And I always love that part. Sports talk radio taking calls tonight on the Bill Michaels huddle, Rob Reichel, Kevin Holden, Mike Clemens. So if you want expert hard hitting guest analysis, well, two hours, we'll have plenty. Uh, not that we're not going to analyze uh, and not that we're going to act like we're experts, 
uh, and we're going to take lots of calls, but no guests, at least until we turn the network over to Bill and his huddle. He's live in Viroqua, the Norwegian Hollow Hideaway. I'm very jealous. Uh, Bill's got his golf outing in Viroqua again next year. And Bill asked me earlier today, he's like, do you play golf? Would you come play in that? I said, Bill, I, I, I'd get a colonoscopy in Viroqua if it meant I get to go to Viroqua. Yes, I'd come to Viroqua is like the best place in the entire state. I'll come fake it on the golf course for a chance to come hang out in Viroqua in uh, not to play favorites, but, you know, no matter where you live, no matter where you listen to this show, if you've never been to Viroqua, you probably don't agree with me. And if you've been, you probably certainly agree because that corner of the state just rules. So I'm very jealous that Bill gets to be there tonight. The huddle coming up in a little bit less than two hours. 608-321-1670. If you'd like to call or text the show, I'd love to have you. And I am on Twitter at Wisco Grant. I want to start with last night. Just a couple minutes. I want to talk some basketball. I love the NBA. Okay. More than most. Now this year, it's moved down my priority list just a little bit. I haven't watched as much out-of-market basketball as I have in years past. Normally, the last couple of years, I get league pass uh, on any given night. I, you know, I. What are the Kings doing? What are the Clippers doing? What are the Sixers doing? What are the Celtics? This year, I've mostly been watching nationally televised games. That's kind of gotten me my fix. I, I haven't felt like I've been missing out. Where the last couple of years, like, I need league pass. I need to see every available game, and I need to be able to watch every available team. And I don't know why that is this year. Maybe it's that I'm weirdly more interested in the Packers this year. Because the last couple, the, the Packers the last couple of years have been like a slow cooker meal. Like, dump everything in before work, walk away for a couple of hours, come back when it's ready. Like, oh, this is the team. Week one, week two, week three. Okay, got it figured out. Uh, yeah, we're good. Let's see what happens in January. We'll just kind of play a waiting game until then. This has been a much more hands-on Packers team. Week to week, we don't really know what we're in for. We've talked a lot more about the Packers, I think, this year for the first time in a while. The Bucks have been an up-and-down, interesting team to follow. Lots of new faces and new players, but certainly had hiccups as well. So that's taken some of our uh, that's taken some of our attention. And Badgers basketball, of course, too. Um, it's not that the NBA hasn't been good this year. There's been a lot of interesting stories in the NBA this year. Like, the Pacers have been really fun. The Magic really put it together uh heat rookie uh jamie Hawkes is getting mvp well actually hold on that's a heat blog close that down he's actually not getting mvp never mind uh but seriously lots of positives like the in-season tournament young teams lebron james in year whatever this is still do amazing things so the league has been good the basketball's been good and you all agree that i like the nba i don't dump on the nba just to dump on the nba right a lot of people i think in the media use the nba as a punching bag so this time you're like, oh, who watches regular season NBA? Like, okay, well, you don't. Doesn't mean others don't. Right? So I'm, I'm, I'm not one to throw shade at the NBA when the NBA doesn't deserve it. I think the NBA today deserves it because last night was a bad look for the league in a couple different games. And Luka and the Mavs played the Lakers. That was a very good game, and I watched a lot of it. I was really good basketball. There was good basketball on last night for those who sought good basketball. I think that was the TNT game, so it was nationally televised. That was great. But elsewhere around the league, I think a lot of people saw what happened between the Suns and the Warriors. And you might be thinking, Grant, the Suns last night was last night the first time that Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal, and Devin Booker all played together. Oh, no, uh, that hasn't happened yet. It's December 13th. No. Uh, that, that, that might... That might wait until after the first of the year. No, we still haven't seen the Suns' big three together. They're, don't worry, though. They're getting healthy. They're they're rehabbing furiously, and they want more than anything to be out on the court. Uh, or so they say, no, 
it was Draymond Green clocking Yusef Nurkic in the face in a really bizarre like way that I don't understand. So, like, there are scuffles in the NBA. Like, there's scuffles in any sport. There's scuffles in baseball, in basketball, in football. But a lot of times when there's a scuffle, there is uh, an aggressor. There is an antagonist, a protagonist. Uh, there's a reason, right? Someone you know, was John a little bit. Someone pushed. That push turned into a shove. Now we're fighting. Now here come teammates, and it's a thing, right? Last night, Yusuf Nurkic is defending Draymond Green, and then out of nowhere, Draymond Green turns around and just cold clocks him in the side of the head. Gets thrown out. Draymond's probably going to get suspended. I mean, I don't know. I think he got five games for choking out Rudy Gobert earlier this year. What does he get? 10, 15, 20? And the Warriors kind of stink with him right now. This keeps happening with Draymond. And it's to the point now where I'm like, hey, I really like the NBA. And this is a really horrible look for a league that I very much enjoy and that I support. This is Draymond Green after the game. (laughs) He got thrown out of this game. Just all the context you could possibly need. He got thrown out of this game because out of nowhere, seemingly unprovoked, turned around and clocked Yusuf Nurkic in the side of the head hard. It wasn't just a little like a Trey Lyles, Josh Gosser slap. That's not what we're talking about. Like this was a whack, like fist on head. Okay. This is Draymond Green after the game. It's about 30 seconds. I'll play this for you. I was pulling my hip and I was swinging away to sell the car. Made contact with him. Um, as you know, I'm not one to apologize for things I meant to do, but I do apologize to you, sir. Um, Which, by the way, you can apologize for things you meant to do, too. Like, I, <laughs> I've, I've done lots of dumb things in my life that I meant to do, only to later realize, probably shouldn't have done that. Sorry about that. Like, it's okay to apologize for something you meant to do. It's not just th- things that you didn't mean to do that you apologize. Just such a weirdo. Okay, he continues. Because I didn't intend to hit him. Uh, okay. I sell calls with my arms. I don't fall or to sell a call. I don't, I'm not a flopper. So I was just selling the call because he was grabbing me and pulling my hip back. So I spun away, and unfortunately, I hit him. And so, like I said, I apologize to you, Seth, uh, because I didn't intend to hit him. Okay, well, that's a load. Um, I would almost rather admit that he, I'm sorry, I got really frustrated. He was locking me up, and I, I did something I shouldn't have done. Sorry. I'd rather he said that. It would be, there'd be more dignity in it. You should admit your situation. There would be more dignity. What's that from? No Country for Old Men? This reminds me a lot. I've been, I've been watching Veep again, which, by the way, if you are without a show right now, I, I think Veep's like the funniest show I've ever seen. I'm watching it right now for the second time, and I'm noticing things I didn't see the first time. I think it's the funniest, most clever, like, comedy-filled sh- show that I've ever watched, right? But there's an episode. It's about the vice president or the president. Her roles change throughout the show, um, and it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. And she is, like, she thinks she's texting with her boyfriend, and they're joking about how dumb, like, a senator is. And really, she's tweeting it out, and she doesn't realize it. And then the American public sees it, and it becomes a big thing. And they're trying to figure out how to deal with this. And they're in the Oval Office, her and some of her advisors. And one of her advisors goes, wait, 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 wait a minute. Is it possible that you didn't send these tweets? 
What do you mean? No, no, no. I, I think China might have. I think China might have hacked your Twitter account, and they all start to concoct this story that they believe. Right? It's a very Seinfeld idea. It's like it's not a lie if you believe it. And it seems like Draymond, before this press conference, met with the world's worst lawyer, <laughs> the bad lawyer, bad like like wrinkled corduroys and black Air Force Ones lawyer. Crumpled papers falling out of a briefcase lawyer, right? Hair's not combed lawyer, dirty glasses, like bad lawyer. And right before this press conference, they're standing in the back like, Draymond, is it possible that, I mean, you you didn't mean to hit him. You couldn't have meant to hit him. Why would you have meant to hit him? You were simply trying to draw the foul. And because you're such a tough old school player, you would never go to the ground. You're not a flopper. So you moved your arm and one of your arms just happened to connect with Yusuf Nurkic's head. And I'm having fun talking about this. Like This is an entertaining story to me. It's a horrible look for the league. And am I Mr. Get Behind the Microphone and say, the NBA and Adam Silver's got to do something? No. I'm not, I'm not this guy. This is not my soap. I don't climb on the soapbox very often. Uh, elsewhere in the NBA last night, by the way, Nikola Jokic and the Nuggets were playing in Chicago. Let me explain, by the way, the the folks that bought tickets to this game, Bulls fans or basketball fans in Chicago, bought tickets for this game. Zach Levine is not playing for them. He didn't play. I have that right, right? He didn't start playing again. Let me triple check that before I spread misinformation. I just want to make sure. Because a couple weeks ago, Zach Levine, it was announced that, hey, my ankle's pretty bad. I might need until after Christmas, which is code for trade me. I'm not playing for you again. Okay, so he didn't play last night. So let me set the stage. Last night, the Denver Nuggets are playing in Chicago. It's the only time of the year that the Nuggets play in Chicago because the Nuggets are a Western Conference team. The Bulls are an Eastern Conference team. They play twice, one in each building. So if you're a basketball fan in Chicago and you want to see Nikola Jokic play, this is your one opportunity unless you want to travel somewhere else in the country, okay? So you buy tickets to see Nikola Jokic playing. Jamal Murray is not playing the Nuggets' second-best player. Zach Levine, who is the Bulls' second or first best player with DeMar DeRozan, is also not playing. So of the four stars in this game, only two of them are playing. And the big ticket item is Nikola Jokic, who's the, the not the reigning MVP, but he's had two MVPs in the last three years, the reigning finals MVP, the best player currently in the world. The Bulls bill this game as Serbian Heritage Night. Right, And this happens a lot when the Bucks go play places. It'll be Greek night because Giannis is in town. So the Bulls are billing this to their fans and to basketball fans in the state of Illinois and I guess in the city of Chicago. Come to Denver versus Chicago. We can see Nikola Jokic. It's the one time a year he's in town. It's Serbian Heritage Night. These were not cheap tickets. It's the one time you can see Jokic all year. And the refs threw him out in the second quarter for talking. Coming down the floor. What? 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 Again, the Nuggets' second-best player is already not playing. Zach Levine has quit on the Bulls. Elsewhere in basketball, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and Bradley Beal, who's supposed to be everyone's new favorite big three, they have yet to all take the court at the same time. Everyone's heard all the time. Stars never play. And then the NBA and the refs have the gall to throw someone like Nikola Jokic out the one time of the year he's playing in Chicago on Serbian Heritage Night. And I, I, I don't say this sarcastically. Those fans deserve money back. Those fans deserve money. They paid to go see Serbian Heritage Night. 
with Nikola Jokic, who's the best player in the world, and the refs threw him out for seemingly nothing. Those fans deserve some of their money back. That's robbery. So I love the NBA, and I think, could be wrong, I think the Bucks play tonight. We had Jimmo on earlier. Again, I, my brain's been in Packer mode and Badger basketball mode. Yeah, they have the Pacers tonight. That's right. So, like, I'm going to watch the Bucks tonight. I'm going to a Bucks game on Saturday night, actually. Hopefully the refs don't throw out the best players, making uh, my ticket worth a lot less. The NBA needs to figure its stuff out, okay? Because this is, this is amateur stuff. You have Draymond Green, who's suspended again, right? In the last 15 months, he punched Jordan Poole on his own team, sucker punched in practice. He stomped on Demonis Sabonis' chest in the playoffs. He choked out Rudy Gobert, and now he's cold-cocked Yusef Nurkic. Like, can we maybe... That's a problem that needs to be addressed. We have refs throwing out star players that fans are paying a lot of money and specifically planning to go see. That's a problem. You already have players that are load managing on a weekly or or even nightly basis. That's a problem. I understand that one is difficult to solve. The throwing out of star players by refs, that's not a difficult problem to solve. The the dealing and, and, and punishing Draymond Green, that's not a difficult problem to solve. So Adam Silver, can we please... Let's 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 solve some of the easier problems. There's a problem snowball. Let's line up our problems and let's attack the easiest ones first. Don't have your refs throw out star players, if at all preventable. And uh, let's maybe punish Draymond Green for being a clown and making the NBA look really bad again. Okay, that's my rant. I want to talk more football. I want to talk NFL. I want to talk quarterbacks, too. Because Cam Newton made some comments today called Dak Prescott a game manager, which I just think is interesting. I want to use that as a a point of conversation. It's not really like Cam Newton's opinion matters too much. It's not like he's in the league anymore, Uh, but I thought it was interesting. I got some stats I want to throw at you about Joe Barry's defense as well. A lot of good conversation. The Wisco Sports Show just getting started. We're back in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. show my name is grant bills hope you're having an awesome night a lot of different things on the rundown tonight i want to talk about nfl quarterback play i want to talk more about joe barry in the packers defense build on some conversations that we started yesterday in our aftermath show after the packers played a real ugly game and lost to the giants on monday night football started the show by talking about the nba i thought the nba had a horrible night last night Really bad night for the league, which is a bummer because LeBron and Luka had an awesome game. Luka, Luka's unbelievable. And that was on TNT, but that game was overshadowed by Draymond Green cold cocking Yusef Nurkic and refs in Chicago throwing out Nikola Jokic. Give those fans some money back. That wasn't a cheap ticket. I go to Bucks games. Those tickets aren't cheap. And there's no guarantee that any certain player is going to play. So if I'm paying for the Nikola Jokic game, and I'm already missing Jamal Murray, and I'm already missing Zach Levine, I'd prefer you to not throw out the guy I paid to see. Is that too much? This isn't hard. Again, this is not a difficult problem to solve. Adam Silver, get all the refs on a speakerphone and say, hey, if you throw a player out, 
I'm calling you after the game, and if you don't give me a good answer, you're being suspended without pay or canned because you suck at your job. This isn't hard. The good players need to stay on the court because that's why people watch, and that's why people go to games. Did he threaten you? Did he call you a slur? Did he make advancements towards you or your family? Okay, then he can keep playing. Tee him up and move on if that's what needs to happen. This isn't hard. God, this is so easy. And this is this is why I struggle, right? I, I see these issues in sports that affect us as fans, and I, they're not difficult issues to solve, and yet so many people in positions of power struggle to solve these issues. And it's, it's a bummer because ultimately it's us that suffer. It's the fans. It's the Jimmies and the Joes. 608-321-1670. We don't have to keep talking about the NBA. I just thought well, that's, that was the best place to start tonight. Clem had Mike batting leadoff, 608-321-1670 up in Chippewa Falls. Mike, what's going on? Oh, not much, Grant. How are you? I, you know, aside from my frustration with basketball, I'm actually really good. I, I sound like I'm in a bad mood and I'm, I'm frustrated, but I'm not. I'm having a great day. Yeah, the NBA did that a rough night last night. I know that uh, LeBron James, was it last night or night before? Or last night, he sat for the national anthem, so that's a good look, too. So, I um, saw that was a headline all over the... That's just not information that I I needed to know. I Are we keeping track of yeah. who sits and stands for the anthem now? I, I guess. I, I just I don't a, care. As a, yeah, as a veteran and a patriot, I would like to... Uh, well, I'm not going to say I like to shoot in the face, because I could be misconstrued as a, a terrorist threat. But well, <laughs> I mean, but, it's... Uh, yeah. yeah. Now, NBA, I don't know, it's starting to look like a WWE. There's too many storylines I can't keep up with anymore. That's why I quit watching for like 30 years. I, I haven't been to an NBA basketball game since 1975, and I was stationed in Great Lakes, Illinois. I went to see the Chicago Bulls and Boston Celtics game, of mm. all things. Got to see John Havlicek and Dave Collins. I got to see some pretty good players. It was Back then, the Chicago Bulls played in a different stadium. I can't remember what it was called, but it was like in a war zone. All the buildings around that stadium were boarded up and there was you know burnt down buildings and stuff like kind it's of it's nice that those <laughs> officials didn't spoil that memory for you by ejecting all of those good players that you got to see yeah <laughs> that's nice yeah. but i know but when draymond green apologized you know his agents or some official of the team told him to do that so they'll go a little easier on him for the punishment you know, just... he showed remorse he showed contrition he yeah you know that's what it, i think i'm gonna say he gets 10 games in the uh Players Association will bar- bargain it down to five or something like some bull crap. Like he'll get a little fine. He'll get his fine will be the equivalent of what you and I have in our wallets. I think I got uh, like fifteen dollars right now in my wallet. It will be like that. He's not going to. They're not going to. They're not going to hurt him. But the NBA has been kind of like this for a long time. Way, way, way before you were born, back in the eighties. Um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar got uh, elbowed or something by Ken- a guy named Kent Benson. Mm-hmm. If he would have stood right up to Ken Benson right then and there and punched him, I would have had respect for him. But, no, he kind of loped down the court right next to Ken Benson. Um, and when Ken Benson wasn't looking, the bar turned, faced him up, and punched him right in the face, <laughs> broke his facial bones. I mean, he just – and I ever, ever since that day, I've hated that man. I mean, that was such a cowardly move. I mean, if he would have – like I said, if he would have just started punching him right away when he got elbowed – I would have had respect, but no, when he did a cowardly move like that, I just, uh, I hate that. Well, that's what Draymond did, and but Draymond wasn't yeah. provoked. He's like, he was he was hanging on my hip. It's like, yeah, that's what playing defense is, Draymond. Draymond's a defensive player of the year. He would know better than anyone. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah was, that was a, that was a, he said, well, I was just flailing around, you know, because he, uh, he, he knew what he was doing. He's had a history. You're right. You're right. You said he's got a history, and um 
Yeah, it, the whole thing disgusts me when these guys do that. If there was so, if it was so outrageous, the referees would have called it. You know, they protect superstars. They were they were yeah. called on the, the other player. Just, uh, frustrating, frustrating. <laughs> it is frustrating. I don't know. I but, guess it's not the end of the world. It's just I, I don't know. It's just a bad night for the league. It's just a lot of bad pub in the course yeah. of two or three hours. And I like, you know me, Mike, I'm not the one to just beat up on the NBA. It would be easy. Like I could do this every day. Like you just yell about how stars never play. And you know, like it's not hard. The NBA, it's, it's easy to beat up on the NBA. I don't do it often, but last night I'm like, can we get it together just a bit? Yeah. Well, you've always been even keeled. So when you get upset about this stuff and you know, it's real. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So even, even I, I'm sure even hardcore fans out there are starting to think there's something wrong here this is uh this is not right and you're gonna lose fans maybe i don't know probably not but uh, nba fans we just kind of hang out in the regular season you know we're just kind of here <laughs> you know, you want to solve all the league's problems short it to a 60 game season space the games out make them worth something yeah, and then the and then the players and then the players still rest and and Mike, I gotta run. I gotta get to our next caller. We got a couple, and I gotta move along. It's nice to hear from you. Yeah, thanks, Grant. Yeah, appreciate you, Mike. Yeah, have a good night up in Chippewa Falls. This is the thing. Like, I would love baseball to do the same thing. Well, actually, I'm fine with 160 games, but if you want to shorten the season to like 150, 145, 140, fine. If you want to take an 82 game regular season in the NBA and move it to 65, okay. But I, I just think then you take the problem and, and you recontextualize it into a smaller sample. Um, it's just nobody plays. Like, I'm going to see the Bucks and the Pistons on Saturday night. I haven't checked. Is that the night two of a back-to-back? I was going to say, I bet you dollars to donuts that Chris Middleton doesn't play. This is actually, this is an okay Bucks game. If they're going to rest some guys, uh, I would like Giannis to play. Don't get me wrong. But if the Bucks are going to rest some guys... On Saturday, it's the first night of a back-to-back, so hopefully if they rest, they rest on night two. I'm going with a bunch of guys. The last time I went to a Bucks game with this group, I don't even I don't even remember what happened. <laughs> I remember looking at the box score the next day. It's like, Pat Connaughton had 23. When the hell did that happen? I don't think I remember him hitting one single shot. So I guess, hey, if the, you know the Bucks, if you want to rest a couple guys Saturday, I'm going to be tooling around down on Water Street before the game anyways. I'll... It's fine. It's it's fine. Go ahead. 608-321-1670. Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? Ed in McGuanago. Ed in McGuanago. Ed, I don't mean to force you all to talk about the NBA. By the way, if, if any of you want to talk about literally anything else, I do want to talk a lot of Packers tonight. It's just I thought of all of the big sports stories of the day today, without there being a big NFL game last night or anything like that, I, I thought the NBA stepped in it last night. So that's why I started the show there. We don't have to continue to talk about that if you don't want to, Ed. Well, I know, I'll say one thing. It's just the continued amazement of what LeBron James is able to do and the longevity and the consistency. Like, that's the thing that I'm not trying to make comparisons, Jordan or whatever, who's the best. But, man, you can't argue against that guy's sustained consistency. It's incredible. I can't believe he's doing it out there. I'm like, <laughs> that guy is still playing basketball and at a high level. It's incredible. And we don't even talk about it. We don't even notice it. It's like, well, yeah, it's year 21 for him, and he's still great. It's it's, it's just LeBron. But it's just LeBron. That's the thing. Yeah. So I, I don't disagree. You're not going to get me to disagree. Yeah. So, no, actually, I, I had, um, you know, it's almost Christmas time. I had a, a Christmas wish list I wanted to run by you. Okay. So of the current, 
current injured Packers players, not not Connie Bacchero or Stokes, I'd ask you out of the six players I'm about to list, who are the three you would like to have healthy for the rest of the season? Just, so I can, you know, I can protect uh, three of these six? Yeah. I like yep. this. Okay. Okay. Hit me. All right. So the list is Christian Watson, Aaron Jones, Quay Walker, Jair Alexander, Luke Musgrave, and Dontavian Wicks. Now, I've got my three and I've got my reasons, but I want to hear yours first. Okay. So Watson is a lock just because I, I think yep. when he's right, he is really, really good and he has a massive impact on everything else. So Watson is a lock. That's easy. So my next thought was Jones. Because without him, they do, they don't really have a running back. So if, if I'm trying to win as many games as possible this year, I think Jones would be one of my answers. But if I'm trying to get more of a look at Musgrave and Wicks and I want to do what's best for the future, maybe instead of Aaron Jones, Wicks. I think I'd say Wicks is my number two and not Aaron Jones. Because Wicks has been really good. He's building a connection with Jordan Love. I'd want that to continue, okay? So I think I would say Watson and Wicks. And I would say Musgrave, but Tucker Craft does look awesome. And as long as we're developing one tight end, I'm happy. So I would say Wicks, Watson, and I think Quay. Because, my God, no one can really tackle. And he's really the only guy in the second level that I can trust. So I think I would say Quay Walker over Jair, and I'll just deal with the mess on the back end. I think my answer would be Watson, Wicks, and Quay. Okay, I like I like your spin on that, thinking the different scenarios for how, how the season might end. Yeah, I was thinking more of like let's make it to the playoffs, and if that's so, who do we who do we have? But I like that. Um, so I agree with you on Watson because I think out of all the receivers we have, he's just on that other tier where Agreed. he can do things that are different than the other guys. And then Jones, for the exact same reason that he's that much more dynamic than anybody else we have, mm-hmm. uh, changes the offense. And then I also said Quay Walker over Jair. Um, and that was the tough one for me because Jair, when he's really good, he's really good. But I've kind of given up on him. But with Quay yeah, Walker. Same. <laughs> same. Yeah. You know, Quay Walker, like, don't get me wrong. Isaiah McDuffie has done a tremendous job filling in. I think he's been great. But Quay Walker is that guy, and he's really dynamic. Um, and like you said, with the drop-off, I don't think is that extreme between Musgrave and Tucker Kraft. So I, I'd be fine with that. And Octavian Wicks, kind of, you know, I, I lump him in the same group as the other receivers to a certain extent. So but, can I can yeah, I hit so, you but before we part ways here, Ed? Can I ask you a hypothetical question? Can I put you on the spot here? Yeah, yeah. If you could guarantee, you can only get one, and this guy's going to stay healthy uh, the rest of the year, okay? You can have Romeo Dobbs or Dontavian Wicks. Oh, boy. Well, Dobbs has been so reliable. That's one of the things about him, but... He's dropped some some passes. Yeah. Here and there. Look, this is not a criticism of Romeo Dobbs, but right now, I am about, like, 75% as confident as I am in Wicks as I am in Dobbs. I was hoping for a little bit more from Dobbs this year. He's been fine, but he hasn't been maybe what I was hoping he would be. I think they're closer. My answer to that... Yeah. I think my answer to that, Grant, is dependent on whether or not we would go to him. Because we even saw, like, Samari Churier is get, getting some passes. He was kind of lost in the shuffle for a while. But with Wicks out, all of a sudden, 
Terry was back and he got a few a few passes. He dropped a couple of big ones. But you know, with with Wicks, is he going to get the passes that Dobbs does? Is he because you know all the end rounds we did to Jaden Reed, I would have liked to see more passes to Jaden Reed. So why weren't we passing that much to sure. Jaden Reed? If he's our, our one of our best weapons, especially if Watson's out, why aren't we throwing the ball to him? Well, because you know, so I answer that question with, yeah, if we use him. Sure. Oh, okay. I, so, I like that. Ed, I'm going to get to one more caller before this break, but I like this Great. conversation. We're going to circle back, okay? All right, thanks. Have a good one. Good stuff, Ed. I appreciate you. Um, I, I'm, I'm 75% as confident in Dontavian Wicks as I am in Romeo Dobbs. And that's not a criticism of Dobbs. I was just hoping there would be maybe another level with Dobbs this year. And he's been, he's been good. He's been good, good. But Wicks has also been very good. And I felt like he had been getting better every week. And now he's got a high ankle. And if he doesn't play again this year, he doesn't play it again at a high level for a while. That's a bummer. Cause he's been one of my favorite parts of watching this team. All right. One more call. Then we'll take a break. Wisco sports show. Who's this? Hey Grant, this is Cone. How you doing? I'm doing great. Cone. You're, you're back off the highway. It sounds like good for you. Yeah, back in AZ. Good, good, good. Well, what do you what do you make of this? I thought that was some good Packers talk with Ed, but I'm down to talk about whatever you want. Yeah, that was really interesting. I kind of like the topic. Um, I did too. But I have a point on the point of emphasis. Okay. And I think that's exactly what the NFL needs to do to get rule changes across. You know, we saw this probably five, six years ago with roughing the passer. We all remember that Clay Matthews play on Kirk Cousins that mm-hmm. cost us the game. The NFL made a big point to, you know, call those roughing the passers, even if it was minimal contact and the, the player was landed on the quarterback. And I think that's what we're going to see. And that's that's kind of the precedent set for the NFL getting their rule changes implemented. Just make it painful and annoying as hell until we have no choice but to comply. Exactly. Because now we see DNs tackling quarterbacks the right way you know rolling them over not landing on them and it it seems like it's been pretty effective i just feel like we're adding more and more onto the plate of these referees and they're they're already not dealing with what they have now well like they're not handling and managing well now and we want to add like hip drop tackles and like the tush push just don't the original rule was you cannot push a ball carrier in the back right like, just, just adhere to that normal rule. It was never an issue before last year. If you want to get rid of the tush-push, it's a, you, one fell sweep. You can do it. One fell swoop, whatever. The, I really struggle with this expression, but you know what I mean. Yeah, you do, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> other thing I came across today on the interwebs, Packers perhaps playing in Brazil in 2024. That'd be sick. Do you like, I think an international game in Brazil would be pretty cool. And, yeah, it seems like right now the Dolphins, they're the only team in the NFL that has broadcasting rights in Brazil. So we, we the Packers do have an AFC matchup, AFC East matchup next year. Um, right now it's actually scheduled to be the Jets, but maybe it'll be the Dolphins and maybe we make the trip down to Brazil. How do we think Matt LaFleur would handle that? Oh, God. Well, is there elevation in Brazil too? All right, there's, there's more than one factor. We have a time change. We have customs, uh, elevation, and, and we notice at this Taylor Swift concert, it can get really hot, too, and that's something that, I don't know, maybe Matt LaFleur in, in international trip number two, do you think he'll be better? You you travel a lot for work. You get better at it every time you do it, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're pretty much a vet after a few trips. Um, so, yeah, I would think Matt LaFleur would be a little better. Maybe he understands, like, when to leave on time, how, how the player should adjust you know, jet lag, all that. 
Hmm. Dolphins, Packers in Brazil would be pretty good. There's a lot of Dolphins and Packers fans down there. I always see Packers fans and, and Brazil Packer accounts on Twitter. And I, I don't know how they watch or what they do. I, I, I don't know, but I guess that's, I don't know. That's pretty cool. I, I like the idea of games elsewhere on the globe and not just in uh, random European countries. Like all those feel kind of similar. They just feel like soccer stadiums. Like down in Brazil, like that's going to feel different. Mexico City feels different. That's cool. I like that. Yeah, same here. But yeah, the the, yeah. the source of it wasn't the most legit looking website, but you know, <laughs> LombardiLive.com. So well, give those guys a, a plug. Lombardi Live. Yeah, I'm sure they had the scoop. That's that's perfect. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, I'm going to look into that exactly what we know about the Brazil game so far. Anything else going before I let you go? I got nothing. Kind of not much going on in the world of sports tonight. Well, that's why what I'm starting by bagging on the NBA. I'll watch the Bucks. Um, it's just been a tough watch with the Bucks because if they play well, it's like, well, they should be playing well. And then if they play poorly, the sky is falling. So it's we're walking a really uncomfortable tightrope with our Milwaukee Bucks right now. Yeah, and about the, I, I saw that there were rumors that Dame Lillard is an alcoholic, like people starting what? those rumors. I, I just think this fan base is getting a little insane. Oh, uh, that's not f- funny. I guess I laughed. Uh, alcoholism is a disease, but that's just of all the rumors to start. That's a funny one. All right, Cone, I'm going to run. i got to get a break in. Thanks for the call. Yep, thanks, Grant. Mr. Roller, have a good evening. All right, five-minute break. We'll come back on the Wisco Sports Show. I want to look up the details about Brazil, including how long is the flight? These are things I need to know. Wisco Sports Show, back in a couple minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, appreciate you listening. Coming up at 5 o'clock, I want to tell you about why uh, the next year or two going to be really interesting for a lot of NFL quarterbacks. We have some of these rising stars or stars that have ascended to stardom, right? Talking about Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts. The next year or two going to be very interesting for all these quarterbacks. I'll tell you why. I'll explain. Let me paint the picture coming up in just a little bit. For the first 40 minutes of the show or so, we've just been kicking around a couple of different stories. I thought last night was a really rough night for the NBA. Talked about that at the very beginning of the show. Ed and Madison giving us some really good injury hypotheticals. And I threw one back at him. I said, okay, well, if I said that you can have a healthy Dontavian Wicks or a healthy healthy Romeo Dobbs for the rest of the year, who are you taking? And I think the correct answer is Romeo Dobbs, but my point is it's closer than you'd think. Um, And I'm not going to go so far as to say that Romeo Dobbs has been a disappointment this year. I think he's been fine. I think he's been very, very good. He's been solid. But part of me was wishing that he had another level to reach. uh, And he's just been very good. But Dontavian Wicks has gotten better every week. And he's almost to the point now where I trust him just about as much as anyone on this offense. Now, everybody's pitching in week by week. Everyone's having a moment. Everybody's having a quiet game. You know, Jordan Love is, you know, at this point, I saved the stat from earlier today. Jordan Love could possibly end the season by throwing 30 touchdown passes and 4,000 yards, and he's probably not going to have a 1,000-yard receiver on the team. And I'm almost certain they're not going to have a 1,000-yard rusher. So the ball's going everywhere, um, which is good. That's great. But that's also to say, you know, apart from maybe Christian Watson's injury and Aaron Jones's injury, that everyone else has been 
on a pretty similar playing field, which speaks highly of the young guys, the youngest guys, the rookies, I guess. Dobbs and Watson are young, too. 608-321-1670, Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? Hey, it's Mike in Madison. Mike in Madison. Mike, how are you today? Good. How are you, Grant? I'm doing good. I'm excited for Bill's huddle tonight, honestly. We got Rob Reichel. We got Kevin Holden, Mike Clemens. So I think we're getting a lot of Packers audio and Packers information for what was happening in Green Bay today. So I'm looking forward to that. Not that I, I love this show. I'm enjoying the show that I'm hosting now, but I'm, I'm also looking forward to what's coming up. <laughs> yeah, you got some good guests. Uh, you know, it, Dobbs is just fine. Is that, your, is that your take, really? No, he's, he, he's better than just fine. He's 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 okay. good. He's good to quite good. Very good might be a, a little strong. He's been good. Maybe a, maybe a stretch, but he's a, he's had a game winning touchdown against the Saints. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, he he saved us on that fourth and one bomb that Jordan Love threw against the Chiefs. Um. So he's had a good year. I mean, I I, I don't know what really to expect out of him other than just keep growing and keep getting better. But I think he's had, I think he's been doing well, especially for how much the ball has moved around, like you just said. You know, Jordan Love's dishing out to anyone who's open. You know, he's not around Rodgers, so. Whoever's uh, whoever's healthy any given week, too, because guys have been in and out. True. Very true. Um, so, no, I think he's, I think he's probably had a better season than maybe what some people are leading on, if that's, you know, the narrative. Yeah, maybe maybe what I should say, let me reframe this conversation that we've had. This is not a criticism of Romeo Dobbs, but instead uh, uh, an appreciation of how good Dontavian Wicks has gotten and how he's integrated himself into this offense. He's a guy who didn't play much earlier in the year. He's gotten better every single week, and he's really somebody that I trust. Yeah, and not hurt, but uh, I think I think we have something at Heath as well. Um, so I think there's, there's a lot of... There's a lot of guys that we could look at and say, hey, you know, we kind of see some some good some good things out of a lot of these receivers, and um, Dobbs is just a part of that mix. But I think he's I, – I definitely think for his size um, and his ability to go up and get the ball, um, he's got a nice edge. I have been really impressed at how Jordan Love continues to go to him on third and fourth down. He seems he very much yeah. trusts him. And look, I'm not trying to undersell what Romeo Dobbs has done. What I asked to Ed earlier, my point was, like, I actually think they've been pretty similar, and I would trust them on pretty similar levels. Now, Dobbs has had some really sneaky clutch catches, and you're right, and I'm probably underselling Dobbs just a little bit. But these rookies have been right up there performing on the level as the second-year guys, the quote-unquote veterans in Watson and Dobbs, and I think that's impressive. That speaks really, really highly of what Brian Gutekinds was able to do in the draft this year. I agree. One more shout-out. Got to give a shout-out to Wisconsin Badger Volleyball. Playing tomorrow. Um, dude, Sarah Franklin's on fire. Um, she's going to, dude, she's going to kill it. She's going to kill it tomorrow. I got a huge feeling they're going to go to the final. Um, they're an awesome, awesome team. You know, she recorded her eighth double-double of the season on Saturday night. I did not know and that. For people that don't watch the volleyball, double-double, they're counting kills and they're counting digs. Um, and for her to get, I think she had 20 kills on Saturday night. Uh, she's on fire. And for her, her season was possibly over over the summer. She had a blood clot in her arm, uh, had surgery and rebounded. She's the Big Ten player of volleyball of the year. So I, I can't wait to watch her on the, on the court. It's just going to be an awesome game. Hell yeah. It's a really fun team. Uh, I remember that loss to Pitt last year. I don't want to go through that again. 
So uh, we have we have a very high standard as Badger volleyball fans, especially those who, you know, I'm not saying we bandwagon the last couple of years, but it's not like I've been watching volleyball my entire life. So I, I don't want to go through that again. I'm looking forward to the next couple of uh, matches, and that obviously starts tomorrow night. You're right, Mike. I appreciate that shout-out, and I appreciate the call. Yeah, see you, Grant. Have a good one. You as well. Mike in Madison, Windsor guy, East Sider, like myself. Let's take a three-minute break. We'll come back. Wrap up hour number one at 5 o'clock. I want to talk about quarterbacks. I think it's going to be a really interesting two-year stretch, two- or three-year stretch for some of our most promising, exciting, young quarterbacks in this league. Uh, And I want to explain that. I'm really excited to talk about this. It's something I've been thinking about for a few weeks. We'll talk about that coming up at 5 o'clock. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. Got a tweet from Nick. It's a 15-hour flight to Brazil. Oh, Matt LaFleur ain't going to like that. Got to have enough sleeping pods if the Packers... By the way, we don't know if the Packers are playing in Brazil. We just know the NFL is going to play a game in Brazil next year. Packers got a lot of fans down in Brazil. I see a lot of social media activity from Packers fans in Brazil. Fan accounts. Brazil. Packers fan accounts. Is that how they say it? Brazil? Probably not. That's how someone who was trying to sound like they were from Brazil would say Brazil. That's how I would say it. Coming up, ne- coming up next, uh, I have a theory. I want to share it with you. Uh, and, and it's a good way that we can judge quarterbacks, that we can follow quarterbacks. Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes a little bit, Justin Herbert a little bit, kind of that era of quarterbacks. It's going to be really interesting two or three years for that batch. I'll explain why tell you about it our two wisco sports show coming up in two minutes you know you get a monday night game and a big stage and thought we had a good week of preparation i thought our guys uh, you know in practice it was pretty clean but ultimately you got to do it on on game day this is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. is out. It was a little over an hour ago. Missed this. Sorry. We'll get the very latest. Mike Clemens is going to join the Bill Michaels huddle later tonight, so I'm looking forward to what Mike brings us. Packers listed seven players with new injuries coming out of Monday night. A.J. Dillon with a thumb. J.J. Anigbari or Kingsley Anigbari with a toe. Keyshawn Nixon with a quad. Jaden Reed with an ankle. So he's out of concussion protocol. Jaden Reed also said this afternoon he'll be fine. He's going to play. Darnell Savage with a shoulder. TJ Slayton with a quad and Dontavian Wicks with an ankle. 
Dylan Savage Wicks uh, DNP. I would imagine AJ Dylan's probably fine. They just can't afford to get him more hurt. They just need to roll him out there on game day to have a running back. Uh, Darnell Savage, man, what a bummer. And Dontavian Wicks, who's got a high ankle. So that's really probably going to significantly impact the rest of his season. I love Dontavian Wicks. Uh, Ed and McGuanago earlier asked me if I could protect which players from injury again, if I could guarantee three of the six. I think it was Watson, Jones, Quay Walker, Jair Alexander, Dontavian Wicks, and Luke Musgrave. And I think I would protect Watson. It's hard not to say Jones just because they don't have another player at that position. So I think any reasonable person would have to say Aaron Jones. And then lastly, I think Dontavian Wicks. I'm I am feeling just as good as I, I do about Dontavian Wicks as I really do about any other player on this Packers offense, really save for Christian Watson. Christian Watson when healthy is on a level by himself. Problem is he just hasn't been able to stay healthy. Other than that, it's this big, you know, mix. It's a big amalgamation of a lot of guys. And I feel basically the same about Wicks as I do about Dobbs. And I feel basically the same about Dobbs at this point. Uh, that I do about Reed. Like, all these guys are on a similar playing field, which I I think says a lot about Brian Gutekind's 2023 draft, about Wicks and Reed and, heck, even finding a guy like Malik Heath, who I'd be interested to see more of down the stretch. I don't need to see more of Samari Toure. If we're deciding between Toure and Heath, give me Heath. Because I'm pretty sure I know what Toure is. I don't really know what Malik Heath is. I feel like I have a pretty good idea, but I, I don't know. And if Kingsley Anigbari is banged up, just play Lucas Van Ness. My God, just play your top 15 pick. Just please play the guy that you drafted to be an, an impact player reasonably early. I get that he's a raw prospect. I do. Um, but we don't need to wait until year three or four like we did with Sean Gary to finally roll this guy out there. It's a young rebuilding team. Uh, let's play the young guys along the defensive front. They're not getting home anyways. Might as well put the young guys out there. See what you have. I want to talk for a couple minutes before we get back to the phone calls about NFL quarterbacks and how we rank and evaluate and differentiate and, and how we make sense of Joe Burrow versus Josh Allen and Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes and Patrick Mahomes versus Matthew Stafford, who's a little older, and Matthew Stafford versus C.J. Stroud, who's very young, right? We're trying to figure out who we would take over who and who would put us in a best position for the next 15 years, who we'd want to win now, right? We're always comparing these guys against each other. So last year, around this time, around Christmas, I said that we had a quarterback bubble in the AFC, right? And it was going to burst. Same way, the housing bubble, that burst. I don't know if we have a student loan bubble. It seems like we can just keep running that number up and nothing will ever happen there, but I, I don't know. It would stand to reason that at some point maybe we have a bubble of student loan debt in this country, Right when you have a bubble where you just you just keep running it up, running it up. Times are good. Spend money, spend, spend, spend. Acquire, acquire, and then the bubble pops. Right. And I thought last year in the AFC, stock was sky high on Burrow, Allen, Herbert, Mahomes. None of these guys had really been getting criticized at all. Love them all, all great. And I said that in a in a couple of weeks, the stock is going to start to drop on some of these guys. Because they're all going to play each other, right? And Josh Allen's had a great career, but he hasn't made the Super Bowl yet. And Joe Burrow had a great year last year. Can he do it again? And Justin Herbert, we think is really good, but we really haven't seen 
that put into practice yet. We've only seen it in theory, right? And then, of course, Justin Herbert, what happened? Blew a 27-point lead in the playoffs. His stock tanked, and this this year is continuing to tank. Josh Allen gets punked at home by the Bengals. His stock tanked. His stock is now so low that I actually feel like Josh Allen is a little underrated nationally. Now, Burrow was hurt, and that stinks. Burrow's stock kind of held. Because he went into Arrowhead and, and played the Chiefs within an inch of their life. Mahomes' stock went up. Burrow's stock held. Trevor got a little bit of a bump. Trevor Lawrence got a little bit of a bump. But then Herbert and Josh Allen absolutely cratered. Which is what I was saying. Some of these stocks are going to go up. A lot of them are going to go down. We had a state last year in the AFC. It's like too many players. Their stock is too high. It can't, we can't exist at this level. Because one of these guys is going to lose to another and have a bad loss. One's going to have a nice win. Right. So now the the state of the AFC quarterbacking stock market, if you will, is very different than it was a year ago at this time. Right. Last postseason is a big sliding door moment. Let's put it that way. And I think we're about to have another one. So Burrow, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, and Justin Herbert, too. Kinda. These three or four quarterbacks, conveniently all in the AFC, I guess oh, save for Hurts. They are entering, these quarterbacks are entering what I am calling phase two with their respective teams, okay? And I think phase two is a litmus test. It's a, it's a very important stretch of time to show how great a quarterback truly is. So let's talk about Joe Burrow to start, and then we can talk about Allen, we can talk about Hurts. So Joe Burrow's drafted, and his opening year he gets hurt. It's basically a bust. Then he comes back. Zach Taylor, Lou Anarumu, syncing with the coaches. The team's based around Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Joe Mixon. Great. They make a Super Bowl. Now, they don't win it, but we're instantly thinking this team's really, really good. It's one of the best teams in the NFL. They're a Super Bowl contender from here on out. Now, Joe Burrow gets paid, and the team around him now is going to need to evolve into phase two. Probably not going to be able to keep T. Higgins and Jamar Chase and retain Joe Mixon and keep everything the same on the defense. So this team, not going to have to strip it totally down to the studs, but the Bengals are going to have to rebuild a little bit and re-identify. And while the Bengals do that, it could take a year or two, I'm interested to see if Joe Burrow can still lead this team to 10-plus wins in the playoffs because that's what the greats do. That's what Aaron Rodgers did. I don't think that the team very often had to rebuild around Tom Brady. He didn't take top money. But Tom Brady, even with his best teams and, and with some of his worst Patriots teams, for whatever that means, still won games, still made the playoffs. Let's look at Josh Allen, right? The Bills. Josh Allen came in. They got him Stephon Diggs. They got him a very good defense, Sean McDermott. They came up short a couple of times. And now the money's going to get tight, and they're going to have to figure out how to rebuild and re-identify. The next era of the Bills may include Sean McDermott, may not. May include Stephon Diggs, may not. Gabe Davis, who know who knows what this team is going to look like? They're going to have to reshape for Super Bowl window number two, phase number two. Is Josh Allen good enough to keep the 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 floor of the team very very high? 10, 11 wins, still making the playoffs. This year is telling us no, and I don't think it's all Josh Allen's fault, but a little bit of it is. He was awful against the Jets, awful against the Patriots. So it's easy to crown these guys when they're on their rookie deal or immediately following their rookie deal. And they're playing with the only wide receivers they've ever known for their only head coach that they've ever known. Well, then you reach phase two and Aaron Rodgers could talk all about this. Some of your buddies no longer are on the team. And now you're playing with some younger players you need to get acquainted to. Maybe a coach or a coordinator changes phase two. 
can you continue to lead that team to wins and make the playoffs? Josh Allen, at least in this this first year of what I believe to be phase two for the Bills. Mm-mm. What about Jalen Hurts? There is going to come a time where Jalen Hurts, he already doesn't have an elite defense. This Eagles defense is terrible. But there's going to come a time where he doesn't have head and shoulders the best offensive line in the world. There's going to come a time where he doesn't have A.J. Brown on the outside. Right? Where he doesn't have a really good running game. Where he doesn't have this. Where he doesn't have that. The rules change. Can't run the tush push anymore. Can Jalen Hurts continue to operate at a really high level and lead the Eagles to 10 or 11 wins in the playoffs? That remains to be seen. Right? We're seeing the very beginning of Phase 2 this year. And I'm interested to see how the Eagles finish the year and, and how they perform in the playoffs. Justin Herbert... The Chargers are headed into phase two, I presume, about to be with a new coach. It's just the problem for Justin Herbert and the Chargers is phase one sucked. <laughs> like phase one for the Bills, although they didn't make a Super Bowl, was quite good. Phase one for the Bengals, although they did not win a Super Bowl, quite good. Jalen Hurts, phase one for the Eagles, quite good, although they lost to the Chiefs basically on a coin flip in the Super Bowl, quite good. Justin Herbert's going into phase two, but phase one sucked, relatively speaking. So it's really easy for a a talented quarterback to come in and to be really good right away when he's cheap and when the team around him is good and when he's playing with the only wide receivers he's ever known for the only coaching coordinator and quarterback coach that he's ever known. But what happens when things start to change and that quarterback is six, seven years into his career and now he's got to play with younger guys and he's got to be asked to make up for deficiencies here or there. The best quarterbacks of my lifetime? Kept their team afloat, kept winning games. I think Aaron Rodgers is good or, or better at this than anyone who's ever played. You give Aaron Rodgers a, a team with a deficiency here or a weakness, it didn't matter. He's winning 10 or 11 games. He's getting into the playoffs. Early returns on Josh Allen in phase two might be a little bit of a struggle. Jalen Hurts, we'll see. Joe Burrow when he's healthy, we'll see. Justin Herbert, I don't know, because phase one was not very good. The best quarterbacks can win in every phase of their career with every deficiency and advantage and every this supporting cast, that supporting cast, this coach, that coach. Not every quarterback is is good to win 10 or plus games a year, no matter what the supporting cast is for 15 years. That's rare. It's very, very rare. So I'm excited to see how Burrow, Allen, Hurts, how they handle this and how they lead their teams over the next couple of seasons. 608-321-1670. Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? All right. Well, I appreciate your almost patience. Wisco Sports Show, who's this? Hello, hello. Hey, Grant, how you doing? I am doing good. How are you? Who's this? It's Matt across Plains. Oh, Matt, I, I thought so. I just wanted to check. Yeah, I couldn't tell, you know. I was trying to be patient, you know. And uh, <laughs> I actually, I was on hold before uh, listening in, and uh, I had to pull into the uh, Christmas tree parking lot to pick out my uh, Christmas tree. So oh, nice. uh, forgive me for that. You Did you know, get a big one? Been on uh, you know. It's a good size, about eight feet. Okay. You know, okay. that's good. That's good. That's a good size. I don't have to get out the ladder. Oh no, am I am I am I getting cut off by the hills across plains? No, I I got gotcha. you. No, I got gotcha. you. Okay, it's it's always hard to tell. Uh, you know, I felt like I was listening to uh, some Ron Jaworski or John Gruden. There, you going through all those phases of the quarterbacks, you know? But it was very enjoyable to listen to, and uh, you know, I think Mahomes and Burrow, and you know, they're. It's Mahomes and Burrow and everybody at this point because, you know, nobody else has really proven anything, and you're never you're not going to know, and that's going to be the beauty of watching the NFL for the next 10 to 15 years, seeing how these guys yeah. uh, develop and change with their teams and mature and see if they can actually reach the mountaintop, you know, to use a coach cliche. You yeah, know? well, I think, I think last year, 
if you were to you know survey a hundred NFL fans, they would have Mahomes as the best quarterback in the league, but Allen would have been close, right? And Burrow would have been close, and Burrow I think is is still very close. He's always played really well against Mahomes, but what happened after last postseason is Josh Allen's stock went way down, and Patrick Mahomes' stock went way up. So so we had a fairly competitive quarterback kind of ecosystem in the AFC last year and basically what happened after the Super Bowl Patrick Mahomes the rich get richer and Josh Allen kind of plummets down Joe Burrow hung around because he played really well I wish Joe Burrow Burrow was healthy this year it's a real bummer that we don't get to watch him and, and kind of see how this plays out yeah I mean I kind of compare Mahomes career right now to uh Ben Roethlisberger because he got his hmm. second Super Bowl and uh you know we'll see what Mahomes can do after that um, because obviously Roethlisberger never won another one. Uh, and then you got Russell Wilson as well, who's still hanging around, but we'll see what happens with him. I don't think he uh, he's going to ever do it again, unfortunately, for uh, all the people who like Mr. Russ and, uh, you know, his life with the Broncos and uh, Sean Payton. But, uh, you know, like I said, we'll see. I, I, I think the, it's going to come down to Hurts and Mahomes, you know, right now, and uh, maybe Brock Purdy, but you can't really – can't really use Brock Purdy as somebody who's going to continue on. I don't think I see him more as a Trent Dilfer-esque guy, you know, game manager, and uh, he's he's in that system. He's in that 49er system. So I don't I don't know uh, about Purdy. I'm trying not to draw conclusions about Purdy. I, I just want to see how the season goes and what kind of contract he eventually gets. And I I just have a lot more questions about Purdy right now than I than I do answers. I, I just think this conversation that we're having, Matt, is. A good reminder for Packers fans about how good we had it with Rodgers, not necessarily with winning playoff games and and winning championships, but the floor every year was so high. It's like even if he had a crummy defense and even if he didn't have wide receivers that he was totally on the same page with and even if him and his coach weren't totally driving, well, he was still winning 10 or 11 games and getting into the playoffs and being a factor, right? And my point, I guess what I'm trying to say is not every good quarterback does that you can't assume that a very drew Brees didn't do that it doesn't seem like this year at least that's going to be the case with josh allen joe burrow got hurt so again that that's a tough one but like what is jalen hurts what do the eagles look like in a year or two right because jalen hurts is gonna you go through different stages in your career he's not always gonna have this offensive line now his defense might improve but maybe his weapons aren't as good right and it was in every environment and in every setting that aaron Rodgers gave the packers 10 plus wins in a playoff berth and we learn to, to grow accustomed to that. And I don't think every quarterback is built that way is my point. Yeah, exactly. You always feel like you've had a chance with Rodgers. And that's kind of what I was starting to see with Love a little bit. But, you know, it's just the weird, you know, and this is where I'll push back on that Joe Barry defense that never seems like any game is an easy win for the Packers. Even with Rodgers, it was always some kind of comeback we needed or some kind of miracle play, uh, you know. I mean, sure, he was a three-time MVP, right? Three-time MVP? But, you know, we always, you know, could always guarantee we'd be in the game and and uh, we'd have a shot to win. And that's kind of what I was starting to see with love. And then we had that dud against the Giants. So let's just win them out and go 10-7. and seven. I like and, that. Uh, yeah. We'll get the Christmas and tree home safe. Can... I'm going to I'm gonna get you another caller. It was nice to hear from you, Matt. Yeah. Yeah, nice to hear from you, too. Have a good night. Talk to you soon. Yeah, don't Bye. fall into the tree and smash a bunch of ornaments into your face or something like that yeah and it's look it's not that the Packers didn't have up and down years over the course and, I, and I'm talking like big picture look at the entire career of a quarterback right let's just say 10 years because it's a nice even number that quarterback's gonna come in 
and have wide receivers that are older and more experienced than him, right? Have a coach, have a roster that's built a certain way. Fast forward three or four years, quarterbacks getting paid, players got older, maybe coaches changed around. It's a different challenge. It's a different puzzle for the quarterback. You're leaning into different advantages and different disadvantages. You know what I mean? And Aaron Rodgers, right, 2009-2010, veteran-laden wide receiver group, pretty good defense, opportunistic turnover-forcing defense. 2009 looked pretty good. 2010 win the championship. 2011, awesome offense, terrible defense. They won 15 games, right? And then as they progressed, like 2012-2013, you started to see some of those wide receivers like Greg Jennings were on their way out. Some of those players were aging out a little bit. So now we're losing to the Niners in the playoffs. Okay, so those were the down years. Losing to Colin Kaepernick and, and the hottest team in the NFC. Okay, 2014, uh, it was Jordy Nelson and a running game, right? It was a power running game and a deep threat in Jordy Nelson. And Aaron Rodgers excelled in that environment. 2015, 2016, well, I guess 2015, it was more their defense. He won and took a team and almost won a playoff game with a bunch of kids, no-namers at wide receiver, right? So just within the first seven years of Rodgers' career, he played on teams that looked different, with different challenges, with different teammates, with different players, didn't matter. The team had a very high floor. And what I'm trying to communicate to you and what I'm trying to to make clear is I don't think we should assume that of all quarterbacks, even if they're good. See Josh Allen, see Joe Burrow, see Jalen Hurts. I'm interested to see as these young quarterbacks now kind of evolve into phase two with their respective teams, what does it look like? Because with the Packers, it never really mattered. The the team was getting in the dance. And that's something that I think we underappreciated. I think if Aaron, if I was asked to speak at Aaron Rodgers' uh, Hall of Fame speech, you know, I'd talk about the the free plays and the, the mobility out of the pocket and throwing on the run and all the things. Yeah. But I think as a Packers fan, something I'd say is our team never, ever was bad. Even in years where Rodgers was banged up, even when the team had a bad defense, even when the team had lesser wide receivers, even when the team had a leaky offensive line, it didn't matter. And I think as Packers fans, we started to assume, oh, you're a good quarterback, you make the playoffs every year. Eh, most years, ideally. But not every team, not every quarterback works like that. 608-321-1670. Wisco Sports Show, who's this? All right, we'll try line two. And then if we're out of luck, I guess we'll take a break. 608 608- 321-1670. Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? Ridge Runner Mark. How are we doing, sir? Ridge Runner Mark. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. Good. I am. I'm finally over Monday night. I, yeah. I, needed, I needed time away. I needed to embrace <laughs> the frustration. And uh, now we're moving on because, you know what? They're a young team. They're figuring stuff out. Um, but I was intrigued by your question about Burrow, Mahomes, Allen, Herbert, Here's my question to you. Of those quarterbacks, maybe removing Mahomes, which of them reminds you of the career of, early on career of, like, Dan Marino? Oh. I think of Dan Marino as a, as a super good arm talent. He made one Super Bowl, didn't win, but never could get over the hump, even with all of his talent. Um, Man, I wish Justin Herbert was on a different – I wish he was on a normal team. Because I, I, right. I feel like some of the struggles are not his fault. Um, I'm, right. I'm tempted to say Herbert, but I think the easiest answer is probably Josh Allen. It's like, hey, man, we know you have all the arm talent in the world. Sometimes you just need to not make mistakes against the terrible Jets or the terrible Patriots. Right. So maybe Allen is the best example. 
Herbert's there, but I but I don't know. If Herbert played for a very good franchise, his story might be different, so I'm not sure. So I'll say sure. Allen. Okay. See, I would lean towards Herbert because I feel like he's more of the that that polished talent that you can't deny, whereas Josh Allen is, let's be honest, he's kind of a meathead like Favre was. <laughs> yeah. All, all, all muscle, little brain, but Herbert feels like he's that kind of like that slick, you know, clean and easy, you know, super fun to watch sure. in his mechanics. And Josh Allen is a guy that's kind of like likes to run around in the trenches, roll around in the dirt, and still get wins. So, like, Herbert, the Chargers will be playing the ugliest brand of ball. They they live in second and ten and third and ten, and it looks so hard. And every once in a while, Justin Herbert will make this throw that I, I'm like, oh, my God. But but it doesn't translate to winning consistent offense and winning football. You know what I mean? So maybe Herbert is the best example, but I, I also don't know if, like, if he was on a competent team, maybe that would be different. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's that's, that's fair because I honestly with Marino the same thing. I I don't know if the Miami Dolphins were competent or not, but as with any fair. quarterback, you're only as good as the team around you. And I feel like he was he was lacking whether it was the defense or the offense around him. I think a lot of it was just his defense couldn't help him win games as much as uh, as other teams. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's what I thought of. Is I immediately thought of, well, how, which one of these quarterbacks would you throw Marino in kind of the world of a Marino type of uh, situation? All the arm talent in the world, but arm talent doesn't win football games. You know what I mean? Like no, that makes a, makes a great highlight reel. Yeah, and, and Mark, right. I'm actually – I'm really glad that you brought this up because coming back after this break, I want to talk about game managers. Cam Newton said that Dak Prescott is a game manager. And I, I, I don't know. I think it, it's kind of dumb, but it's kind of getting it at what we're talking about. Sometimes it's okay to just make easy throws. You don't need to let it hang out and, and prove that you have the best arm in the world every single throw. That's not always what's best. Yeah, yeah. Wins is the final result is the wins. It's almost like the opposite of well, it's not the destination; it's the journey. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to football, uh, journey doesn't matter. It's the destination. Are you winning games? <laughs> yeah. And everyone else, shut up. Yeah. I, I get you. That's a really good point. Well, I got to run because I'm really late for a break, but I'm going to continue this discussion on the other side of the break. Okay, Mark? Giddy up. Take care, man. Giddy up. Ridge runner, Mark, up in the bluffs of lacrosse, listening on WKTY. Okay, let's take a three-minute break. Wisco Sports Show, back after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports show. Appreciate you listening. Just talking quarterbacks. I just remember last year at this time, looking at the AFC playoff picture and saying, hey, I know we all think the world of Josh Allen and we think the world of Trevor Lawrence and we think the world of Justin Herbert. And we think the world of Patrick Mahomes and we think the world of Joe Burrow. And that's great. But in a couple of months, a couple of these guys are going down in the playoffs. And if Allen goes down again, we're going to have to start some conversations. And if Joe Burrow comes up short again, depending on how it happens, we'll have to have some conversations. If Justin Herbert comes up short, and if it's his fault, we're going to have to have some conversations. So last year, it's like the approval rating of all these quarterbacks was as high as it could possibly be at the same time, right? Because not every quarterback in the league can be the best quarterback in the league at the same time, right? There does have to be a king of the hill, especially in the same conference, because they have to play each other. They're going to run into each other. Right, like Brady and Manning. 
There was a line of demarcation because as good as Brady was and as good as Manning was, Brady got the better of Manning in the playoffs more often than not. He was consistently going farther. So while we've all agreed and we all thought they were both great, we couldn't we couldn't hold them on equal ground because we watch the games and the games have to matter. This isn't college football where we just play games for fun and then we let everyone in the playoffs eventually anyways, starting next year. That's not what the NFL is. Right? The play the playoff games, the games have to matter. Right? So last year there's a quarterback bubble. It popped because think of our perception of Josh Allen a year ago and where it is now. Big difference. Think of where our perception was of Justin Herbert a year ago at this time versus now. Big difference. I think Mahomes, our perception went up. Because he did what a lot of quarterbacks, I think, will struggle to do the next couple of years. And that's win and win at the highest level in phase two. Right? Patrick Holmes had phase one of his team. Team was built a certain way. He got paid. Guys got older. Things changed around. Coordinators left the world. We had a pandemic. A lot happened. Right? Then he comes back. A team that was built more around defense. Tyree Kill left. And in the next year, he wins the Super Bowl. So Mahomes, good in phase one. Won a championship. Good in phase two right away. Won a championship. Now we'll see as as the Bills evolve around Josh Allen, can he keep it going? As the Bengals evolve around Joe Burrow, can he keep it going? As the Eagles are eventually going to change probably in a year or two around Jalen Hurts, can he keep it going? These are the questions that we ask. Now, Ridge Runner Mark asked me a couple minutes ago, like, who do you think is Dan Marino right now? Like, who has the best arm talent? Who who can make all the throws but maybe doesn't really translate into winning football? Now, I want to cut Justin Herbert a little bit of slack because I, I think I think the Chargers are cursed and I think they're a little bit of a nightmare as a franchise. But I also watch Justin Herbert. He plays really inefficient football, always in second and long, always in third and long. And then on third and 10, occasionally he'll make a throw that's unbelievable. It's like, wow. And then three plays later, they'll turn around and punt. So it's just a really herky-jerky style of football. Josh Allen, to a degree, too, it's not just about making the flashiest throws, as Mike said. It's not about the journey in the NFL. It's about the destination. So today, I'm going to play you some of this. We got this clip. I guess Cam Newton has a podcast. It's the fourth and one podcast. No. Yeah, fourth and fourth and one because Cam Newton was number one. This is him talking about Dak Prescott, who, in my opinion, is the MVP of the league right now. And I would imagine by the end of the year, I, I think it's end up go, it's going to end up being Dak Prescott. Here's Cam Newton talking about Dak. Yeah, Lamar Jackson, obviously Patrick Mahomes, Dak Prescott, Brack Parity, like, but Brock, let's, they're not winning because of him. He's not turning the ball over. He's managing the game. And if we were to put that in its own right as game managers... Brock, Parody, Tua Tonga Valoa, Jared Goff, and really, Dak Prescott. Mm. So I'm going to cut it off there because I think he swears later, and I I don't want to. He says they're game managers; they're not difference makers. Okay, so I, I find part of this funny because I'm not trying to make fun of Cam here because uh, I think Cam gets I don't know. Cam said and done a lot of dumb things. I don't think Cam is a bad guy, and Cam takes a lot of flack from. A lot of corners of NFL media and sports media. So I, I don't want to rip Cam, just rip Cam here. I, you know, everyone has to have a podcast. Everyone's got a podcast. It's just, it's too much. Everyone's got to have a podcast and everyone's got to have an opinion. So Cam Newton goes viral for having an opinion. And, and like, he thinks he's done something here. Cam's like, wait a minute. There are different types of quarterbacks. There are guys that you win because of and guys you win with. Game changers 
and game managers. And we're all like, Cam, we've known this. <laughs> this has been you're not breaking ground here, Cam. You, you've not you've not stumbled onto some some brand new you're not revolutionizing the game. We understand that some quarterbacks are better than others. Uh, some guys are, are the driving force behind their team's success, and some guys are, are there to read the teleprompter, run the offense, deliver the ball, and let the playmakers make the plays. So I think it's a little funny and kind of symptomatic of the society that we live in. It's like everyone's got to have a, a damn podcast, which necessitates you need to have things to say. Do you know how exhausting it is to always have to have something to say? I talk for a living. It's my job to have things to say. It is tiring. Like, I don't always have interesting things to say every day. And out there in this world, we have thousands of podcasts where everyone's like, I have something to say. And then what you ultimately end up with is Cam Newton with a podcast saying, hey, there's this thing called a game manager. It's like, Cam, yeah, it's been a thing. (laughs) We know. But I'm glad you started a podcast to share this wisdom with us. Okay. I think Cam Newton is is missing the point. I think Cam Newton is, is also a very interesting vehicle for this message because Cam was a player that was so physically gifted and so physically dominant that he would go one-on-one against an edge rusher. He'd go one-on-one against a linebacker and make a play. He would use his physical size and skill and speed and athleticism. And he's just so gifted and, and he would dominate, right? Cam Newton was not a game manager. And when Cam was at his peak, and and when everything lined up for him and he had the best team and the best coordinators, he was an MVP and he almost won a Super Bowl. Almost. It's not like they got blown out by the Broncos in that game. They, they were there. That was a winnable game. They could have, Cam Newton and the Panthers could have won a Super Bowl that year. Uh, but Cam Newton's no longer in the league. And part of that, I don't know that he's always been the easiest guy to get along with. I think that's part of it. But, but part of it is, is Cam did not have the game manager components along with the physical gifts, right? The ideal, ideal NFL quarterback is a quarterback that can process and run the offense and get the ball where it's supposed to go and and let the offensive coordinator kind of shoulder some of the load. Let the wide receivers, the running backs, shoulder some of the load. And then when necessary, when that quarterback needs to step up and make a big play and a big throw, do it and, and have the ability to do it. But when you don't need to make the world's hardest throw, don't. Take what the defense is giving you. Right? Offenses have come so far in my lifetime. And offensive coordinators have gotten so much better. And wide receivers have gotten so much more gifted. And the rules have shifted to make life so much more easy on the offense. You can game manage your way through 80% of an NFL game and score a lot of points. Like Jimmy G and the Niners scored a ton of points and moved the ball and won playoff games and made Super Bowls. Now, again, to be the best quarterback and to win at the highest level and execute at the highest level, you know, the 80% of game management needs to be supplemented by 20-ish percent of making a play. Like you occasionally need to step up and make a play where a play doesn't exist. Cam was all of that. Cam Cam was not 80% game manager, 20% playmaker. He was 100% playmaker. But when Cam was on and when he was at his peak, you couldn't stop him. Or you couldn't scheme him. He was just better than everyone. But when Cam declined a little bit or he didn't have the weapons or he didn't have the coordinator, he didn't have the game manager ability to fall back on. So Dak Prescott, game manager, guilty, I guess. He's delivering the ball where it's supposed to go. 
He's hitting the guys who are really good. CeeDee Lamb's really good. Jake Ferguson is... Jake Ferguson's awesome. I think he had this in him. He's running Mike McCarthy's offense, which, surprising, really good. Every once in a while, when everybody's covered, and when the offensive line doesn't hold up, Dak Prescott can't escape the pocket, and he can make throws off script. But you don't want to do that every single play. And we've talked about this over and over and over again on the show. I think game manager, make game managers cool again. I want my quarterback to have a great relationship with the play caller, great relationship with the skilled position players. I want my quarterback, like Tua, like Kirk Cousins, uh, like Brock Purdy, to be able to sit back there, process, read the plays on the teleprompter, and execute. Right, Because if I have an offensive coordinator like Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan or Matt LaFleur and I believe in the offense and I buy into the offense, I want a guy who's going to be able to sit back there and get the ball where it's supposed to go. Because you can get by on scheme in today's NFL. You can. Again, it's not 2002. Like The rules have changed. This is a pass-happy league. Everything is designed and everything is set up for the offenses to dominate. So a big part of being a quarterback today is standing in there and, and not being a sticky gear. Right, being a smooth gear in the engine of an offense. Because the engines today, like, look, the NFL has designed the league for the offense to run. Like, it doesn't take a a lot of, uh, it doesn't take a lot of uh, elbow grease, and it doesn't take a lot of machinations to get an offense to go. Right, the baseline understanding in today's NFL is that the offense is good. Right? Like, that's that's just how it works. That's how the game is designed. So I want a quarterback who's going to step into that environment, step into that engine and be a well-oiled gear and allow the wide receivers to do their job and allow the offensive coordinator to see and to push certain buttons and to allow the running game to pick up easy yards. Not every throw needs to be the best throw in the world. And that's why Dak Prescott's having such a great season is he's running McCarthy's offense and he's this well-oiled gear in this engine that's running really well. But every once in a while when the engine stalls out and Dak Prescott needs to make some magic, he's been able to make some magic this year. So Cam, by saying Dak Prescott is is a game manager, not a game changer, sure. But you need to be able to manage game and run an offense to have a long career, a long successful career in this league. Cam couldn't do it. So Cam at his peak was as good as anyone, but as soon as he lost some of that physical ability, he was cooked because he didn't have the ability to manage a game and be part of an offense the way that some of these other quarterbacks do today. All right, let's take a break. Five minutes. You can tweet me at Wisco Grant. Still got time for some calls on the other side of this break. 608-321-1670. Bill Michaels huddle, just about 20 minutes away. A lot of great guests tonight. Kevin Holden, Rob Reichel, Mike Clemens, all standing by. Bill is live in Viroqua, which is my favorite place in the entire state. Really good huddle coming up, but plenty of the Wisco Sports Show still to go. We're back in five minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports show. We didn't get a chance to talk to Mike Clemens last night. He's been busy. And I told Mike, it's like, hey, I have a big interview lined up at uh, 545 anyways. So if you just want to wait until Thursday, that's fine. And Mike's like, oh, that's perfect. Thank you, Grant. What I didn't tell Mike was the big interview that I had lined up last night at 545 was uh, my Italian friend, Ryan, uh, who helped speak a little life into uh, the extended conversation that started with Tommy DeVito, who's Italian, which is content. 
in 2023. We didn't get to talk to Mike Clemens last night. He'll be on the huddle with Bill here in a little bit less than an hour. He did just tweet this. <laughs> Quote, since training camp, he's been a player that has developed and is getting better. His confidence is at an all-time high. Each play is really fast, and he's going to make more and more plays. Packers quarterback Jordan Love, while speaking about Malik Heath, Mike Clemens guy. Yeah, we're to the point of the season now where I, and I talked about this with um, Ed McGuanago earlier on the show, I don't feel that much different about Dontavian Wicks and Romeo Dobbs. They're pretty similar players. I don't feel different about Enigbare and Lucas Van Ness. I think they're pretty similar players. I don't feel different about Malik Heath and Samari Toure. I, I don't. So we're to the point of the year now where I think the Packers have the luxury of being able to play their younger guys or to play the guys that are unknowns and see what they have. And I don't think it's going to hurt them much wins and losses. Like, I don't think playing Lucas Van Ness over Kingsley and Igbare is going to make it harder for this team to win. I don't think Malik Heath getting reps over Samari Toure is going to make it harder for this team to win. It will also be better for the future. So it's going to help the Packers win later while also not hurting their ability to win in the present. It's a pretty good system. Let's play the young guys, okay? That's what this year is about. And the whole team is young anyways. What's a couple more young guys going to do? It's not going to make it harder to win. Make it a lot easier to evaluate the talent you have and create a game plan for what this offseason and beyond is going to look like. 608-321-1670. Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? I knew it. You are uh, one of our late straggler calls that often joins us towards the end of the show. Eric, it's nice to hear your voice. Nice to hear your voice too as well. Thank you for taking my call, Grant. Of course. I just I I, I, I just I, needed a couple of minutes to explain this and that. I can't take calls for two hours straight. That is then that would be the whole show, you know. Well, you gotta give yourself a chance. I mean it is your show, Grant. That is and you're true. doing a great job. Oh, and Thursday nights you don't have no caller, right? Yeah, we don't do calls on Thursday night, which I think is a good system. I think. I think it is a good system. I, think I really it is do. Too. I like that. I think it is. Too. I like that. Forces me to actually come up with some content and work. Well, I think you got a lot of great content. You know, I didn't catch what you were talking about. It sounded like you were talking about quarterbacks and are, are they game managers or are we talking about, are we talking about like uh, MVP candidates or Hall of Fame quarterbacks? Or I, so, I didn't quite catch it, Grant. So here, here's the thing about game managers. Game manager... 20, 30 years ago meant Trent Dilfer, right? Game manager right. today, like Brock Purdy, well, he is not gifted like Josh Allen and he wasn't a number one overall pick like Joe Burrow. That man sees the field and he processes and he's a good thrower and he's a good athlete. Like a game manager today is different than a game manager years ago. Like years ago, a game manager is a bum. Like hand the ball off. Right, game managers today, they got it. Kirk Cousins, I think, is a game manager, and I use that as a term of endearment, Eric. There is nobody quite like Kirk Cousins in that he gets the play call, he delivers the ball where it's supposed to go on time, on target. That's Kirk. I agree. And, um, you know, it's got to be on time. I notice when I watch my quarterback or any quarterback play, mm-hmm. there's a, but I, when I'm watching our quarterback play, the Vikings quarterback, I'm like, you got to get, I mean, this is I-90 will tell you. I'm like, throw it. 
I, and yep. if if they don't throw it within a certain time, it, this play is going bad. And there's very few guys that can manage that out of that situation and make something positive of it. Correct. And, and not very often, even the best have even the best struggle with it. Aaron Rodgers, perfect game manager is Tom Brady. Yeah. Yes. I mean, Tom yes. Brady is a game manager, and but he's got a super fast release, super fast release. Um, I do believe you know, and you know, in practice, that play how you practice that. That DeVito, when they interviewed him after the game, you know, and they asked him about that drive, which was, there was nothing spectacular there, right? It was an all route. He, he beat his guy. Yep. He got 25 yards up the field. He said, well, we just did what we practiced. Mm-hmm. We, we just did what we practiced. There was no, there was nothing special there. Just did what we practiced. Exactly. So, and uh, I think that's, that, that's my thoughts for tonight, Grant. I, I don't have a lot of thoughts here. I'm a little wore down today. A long day at work? Oh, yeah. Long day at work. Long day at work, yeah. Long day truck driving out here. Over the road. Long day (laughs) driving the truck. That's funny. Um, no, I got gotcha. you. No, Eric, you rest easy tonight. I'll, I'll let you off the hook. I can let you go, but it was nice to hear from you. And I, I do think you added something. I want to keep talking about this. No, hold on, too. I want to talk about Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Just, a, I'll make it quick. Go ahead. Because we, we talked about this morning. The definition of a Hall of Fame quarterback is, I think today you have to have the Super Bowl win. Okay. okay? Mm-hmm. Years in the past, you didn't have to have it. But there's a lot of guys who got Super Bowl wins that aren't Hall of Fame quarterbacks. But you have to be able to overcome over a period of years the the ups and downs of your team and still be up in the upper echelon and making the playoff run every year. Yes. You still have to you have to be able to overcome those and, and Aaron Rodgers is a great example of that. Team after team after team, they made it there, right? Mm-hmm. And he got one Super Bowl win. That that's that's what I Define as a Hall of Fame quarterback in this day and age. When did you start listening tonight, Eric? When did you tune in? I started to listen at about like five o'clock. Okay. And then I lost it. So, so this is what we were talking about back at five o'clock. It's like the best quarterbacks now they can win the championship and they can have an MVP season when everything is right around them. When they when the when the offense peaks and when they have the right coordinator and the right coach. Because if you're the quarterback for a team for 12 years, right, there's going to be ups and downs in the roster, right? That we, we just assume yeah. that. So the yeah. best quarterbacks, like Aaron Rodgers, for example, MVP in 11 and in 14 and in 2021, made a Super Bowl run and was almost in a couple of others in the best years. But then in the down years, you also need to be great and you need to be getting to the playoffs. You can't be Drew Brees, go seven and nine, right, and wait for the team to get good again. I, I completely agree with what you're saying. Yes. Right. And that's probably the difference between. Eli and Peyton. Now, Eli did win two Super Bowls, but in those years that his team wasn't great around him, he didn't overcome that, and and Peyton was able to do that. Eli and Peyton. That's a good comp. Okay, well, now I need to stew on that. I do have to take a break, Eric. We need to stay on schedule because the Bill Michaels huddle is coming up. I'm glad you called. This is the perfect way to start to wrap up the show. Yeah, have a great day, Grant. <laughs> you too, Eric. Uh, another, I'll add to Eric's Hall of Fame thing. I think to have a Hall of Fame case, I need to be able to look at your career and find at least a year or two 
where you can argue that that player is the best at their position in the league. You know what I mean? Like Aaron Rodgers, I can look through his career and there's years where it's like he was the best. Tom Brady, I can go through his career and say there were years where he was the best. Drew Brees, close enough, I think, with the stats, the counting stats that he can get there. But Russell Wilson, no. Other guys, no. I I have to take a break or we're going to run out of time. Wisco Sports Show, we'll wrap it up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Running up right against the end of the show, the Wisco Sports Show. Catch what you missed in the podcast. Bill Michaels, Huddle, Kevin Holden, Rob Reichel, Mike Clemens, all coming up next. Stick around. Thanks for listening. Talk to you for tomorrow.